194. 294, alas, and did my Savior bleed. Shall we stand as we sing if possible? in the back of our hymnals for an affirmation of faith. This is a statement of faith of the United Church of Canada. Let us join together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh to reconcile and make new who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. today is about uh, what would Jesus do, but better yet, what has Jesus done? And in, uh, in Genesis chapter 15, verses 3 through 6 and 18, we hear a little bit of what God has done long before Jesus was born into this world. Reading Genesis 15, 3 to 6 and verse 18. Now, God has started a conversation with Abram and uh, he's making some big promises to Abram and Abram is not sure just how that's going to happen. So he continued, since you haven't given me any children, the head of my household will be my, my heir. The Lord the Lord's word came immediately to him. This man will not be your heir. Your heir will definitely be your very own biological child. Then he brought Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars if you think you can count them. He continued, This is how many children you will have. 
Abram trusted the Lord, and the Lord recognized Abram's high moral character. He said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur and of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. Then over to verse 6, verse 18. That day the Lord cut a covenant with Abram. To your descendants I give this land from Egypt's river to the great Euphrates, together with the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kenites. That's why I left out the 19th verse. It's got all those names and all those people that Abram and his folks would replace. The word of God for the people of God. Our act of praise is number 758. The reading of Psalm 27. Let us read responsively. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes shall stumble and fall. One thing I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in the Lord's temple. The Lord will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and will set me high up, up upon a rock. And now Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come to my heart, say, Seek the Lord's face. Your face, O Lord, I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, for you have been my help. Ask me not all. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother should forsake me, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait, Wait for the Lord. Again, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us join our hearts as we bow together in prayer. We thank you, God, for a cool, crisp morning. Refreshing air as we've exited our warm homes and come to this place of worship. We're thankful for the sun in the sky and may its beams reach us and warm our lives and our hearts 
the ground and uh, we know that spring will follow. We're thankful also for the dark of night, time to rest. And thankful for the rains that water the earth and all the different types of weather and the seasons. We're thankful that in all the seasons of life, you are faithful. You are our refuge and our strength. You are our cause for living. Not just the source of life, but our reason for existence. May our lives bring glory and honor to You. Rid us of our sin. Forgive us those sins past. Teach us and guide us that we may sin no more. At least sin less and less. Help us to love one another and love those who especially need to be loved, who will almost always be the most difficult to love. Help us to find expression for the joy in our hearts. And when we are in doubt or when we grieve and mourn, when we feel dejected, rejected, depressed, and when we're just out of sorts, come with your Holy Spirit. Breathe on us again. Restore your life within us. And let us go forth singing your praise. Whether it's the season of Lent or the season of Easter, whatever the day or week, the time of year, the time of life, in youth, in old age, as children in diapers, as children in Christ, we join the eternal songs of Your praise and blessing. And we offer the prayer Jesus has taught, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
the gospel according to Luke chapter 13 verses 31 through 35. At that time, some Pharisees approached Jesus and said, Go, get away from here, because Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go tell that fox, Look, I'm throwing out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will complete my work. However, it's necessary for me to travel today, tomorrow, and the next day because it's impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who, are, who were sent to you. How often I have wanted to gather you, your people, just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you didn't want that. Look, your house is abandoned. I tell you, you won't see me until the time comes when you say, Blessing on the one who comes in the Lord's name. The word of God for the people of God. And hear this word from Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through chapter 4, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, become imitators of me and watch those who live in this way you can use us as models as i have told you many times and now say with deep sadness many people live as enemies of the cross their lives end with destruction their god is their stomach and they take pride in their disgrace because their thoughts Focus on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to a Savior that comes from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our humble bodies so that they are like His glorious body by the power that also makes Him able to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and miss, who are my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. I repeat that last phrase, stand firm in the Lord. The Word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> well, I started with this phrase, what would Jesus do? And I, I want us to ask that of ourselves while we also ask, what would I do? What would you do? What would I do? But today I want to look at it a little differently. Now we can go back to the Old Testament. Uh, as, as I read that passage from Genesis, I reminded you that way back there in time, God made covenant with Abram established a promised covenant with Abram to be God for Abram and all the people of his family. And uh, you remember that story. Abram, who became Abraham, and uh, his wife Sarah, who became Sarah, were old, older than, older than Lila. 
She didn't catch that on. But uh, they had a baby, had a son. And uh, sure enough, God kept promise and, and Abraham's family grew, 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 and has grown, grown, grown. But uh, that covenant was the first of many. Now, some would say it might have been the second. If you go back to uh, Noah and the flood, the, the rainbow was actually one of the first covenants God made. Uh, but, uh, but this is a, a covenant with God's covenant people. And uh, in that long history from Abraham to the, the, the tribes of Israel, uh, the, the slavery in Egypt, the uh, exodus from there, and, and all through time, God has been faithful to God's covenant. But God's people have seldom kept that covenant. Oh, at times, you know, there, there, was, there was a lot of safety because they did keep the covenant and uh, they were blessed and God's people continued to multiply. But uh, we're here now because after so many years of that covenant being broken and misunderstood and then reestablished and then broken again, uh, God finally sent His Son to establish a permanent covenant. Now, we might have thought God's covenant was always permanent. Well, God is permanent. And God is faithful to God's promises, but God's people have not always been so. Now, the, the text from the Gospel according to Luke is, is in the story's line when, when Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, the gospel, gospel writers all write after the facts, so we know what's going to happen. And, uh, while Jesus is on his way, uh, some, some Pharisees, not all the Pharisees were enemies of Jesus. In fact, all the Pharisees weren't always enemies of Jesus, but uh, in this case, there were those who seemed to be friends and who uh, come out because they're concerned. Herod wants to kill him. Now, Herod, this, this is the son of Herod the Great, you know. Herod has already chopped off the head of John the Baptist. And it... It reads kind of like a novel, but it's kind of good for us to get the sense of, of that because sometimes novels seem to have more reality than the books of history that we read. Uh, one of my pastor friends said he thought some of, there were some novels that had better theology than some other Christian books he read. But uh, in this story of, of the gospel uh, God's people have rejected God and now Jesus is in the world and Jesus is going about his business and he uh, he knows at some point that he's going to die 
And he chooses to die in Jerusalem as a prophet. And that's where the prophets are killed. And uh, I, I, I love the hymn or the, well, the, the, the words of Jesus in this poet because Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You know, it's like, it's really like a mother calling out the names of her children. And uh, these were rebellious children. And uh, Jesus would have, would have gathered them all together if they would have just come. Now, when you read the gospel, sometimes you get the impression Jesus doesn't even realize his own disciples are there. It's like everybody's gone away. Everybody's rejected him. But that's, that's never the case. It's, it's just that there were enough rejecting him that at some point in time he knew that he was going to die. And so he is headed toward Jerusalem. But do you hear any fear in his words? Jesus, you've got to get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. There seems to be no fear at all for Jesus. i got work to do. Don't bother me with that. Let that old fox go, you know. I don't know if we'd call him a fox today or what we might call him. That, that old dog, just let him go. i got my work to do. Now, on the one hand, what would Jesus do? Uh, and then what has Jesus done? He, he stuck to the, the path of the cross. Uh, he, he stuck to his purpose in living. We heard uh, not long ago the stories of, of Jesus' temptations. And we know that he, uh, he carefully looked at how he was going to, to live out this faith. Yes, God sent him here. Yes, God put him here. But, I, you know, he was a human being. He had to learn as he went. And once he had said he's not going to, you know, feed himself, he's not going to live just for his own nourishment and satisfaction. And once he had said he's not going to be a hero, he's not going to play basketball or football. And and once he said, I'm not going to be a great religious leader up on the peak of the temple, jumping off and showing you how much God loves me. He said, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die so that you'll know how much God loves you. Now, in other words, you've heard this story. What can we say about what Jesus has done? I've got, I've got two versions of this. One says it's, uh, it's anonymously written. The other has a person's name with it. It says uh, James Allen... Francis wrote this sometime between 1864 and 1928. You've heard it. But listen again. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter's shop 
until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a business or owned a house. He did not go to college. He never visited by a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of those of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen, well, let's change that. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he remains the central figure of the human race and the, and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of, human, of humanity on this planet so much as that one solitary life. I know you've seen that on a Christmas card or maybe an Easter card of some sort. There's a lot contained in there. And uh, I started to tell Lexi and Lily a little bit earlier, the fact of the matter is we may know a little bit more about Jesus' human existence uh, since the time he lived than, than ever before. But... Uh, we're not quite so interested in that as we are to understand Jesus as Son of God, Prince of Peace, uh, the one who is our Savior and who would be our Lord. I think it's fair to say when we read the one solitary life and when we try to think what, uh, what has Jesus done, He's changed everything. That's a theme we're going to be using now and even into the Easter season. Jesus has changed everything. The Apostle Paul was bolder than I ever want to be. He would, he would look at you and say, Now, do, do as I do. Now, I try to walk straight and narrow myself so that I could say, okay, try it my way. But, you know, we've all got to live our own life. Uh, I hope my example will be good for some folks. And uh, I hope that I can help guide some lives. But uh, the question is, for all Jesus has done for us, what will we do?
And uh, Paul writes the Philippians overflowing with thanksgiving for what they've already done for him and for the church. But he reminds us that uh, we, we need models. We need to look to others to, to help us find our path in life. And yeah, we do need to be fit models for others. I, I like that phrase that some people have never read the Bible and your life may be the only Bible they see if we're living it out. And if we're living the faith we claim. Now, really the more important question of the day is what what will we do as church, as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, I'm going back to my friend, Lois Cheney. And... Uh, I, I I would invite you to read the book, God is No Fool. There's some of these that are that will bring tears and there's some that just kind of shock you and some that'll make you think for days and days. This one is a combination of shock with a little touch of humor. Moses said, Oh come on now. Be sensible, not me. I'm a terrible speaker. They'd never listen to me. And God said, oh, for crying out loud, okay, I'll use your brother to help with the speaking. And Moses led God's people out of disintegration. Jonah said, oh, come on now. Be sensible, not me. I'm not the type. And after a rather unexpected vacation in a fish, just thinking things over, he talked to God's people and led them God's way. And Zechariah said, oh, come on now. Be sensible, not me. My wife and I are too old to have any kids. And God said, oh, shut up. And he did shut up for nine months. And John was born. And the way for the Christ opened up. And I heard a child say, I can't serve God. I'm too young. And I heard a boy say, I can't serve God. I'm not good enough. And I heard a woman say, I can't serve God. I'm not skilled enough. I wonder if God ever gets any new problems. What would Jesus do? What has Jesus done? I hope I've said enough about that for you to stop and think. Okay. After all Jesus has done, then what will I do? How will I take the good news into the world? Back into my home, back into my neighborhood, back into my workplace, back to my family, back to all the people I see day by day. How will I live out this faith? And hopefully we will find our way. There's a lot we can do together. A lot more we can do together than we could ever do individually. 
But there are some things we start doing by ourselves. Just kneel in prayer. Ask God to guide you. Read your Bible. Find some hope and some guidance there. And then when we worship, when we hear the beautiful songs, the beautiful music, and, and when you hear God's Word read and proclaimed, give Him your heart. Let's pray. My heart is yours, God. Let all our hearts be yours and guide us as we follow Jesus and seek to serve you and all humanity with your great love.